0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the PG show where we talk about all things college football. And today we got to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners and what those expectations should look like for the 2022 season. But before we do that, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. Let me know what you guys are thinking down in the comments below. Do you guys what do you guys think Oklahoma's record will be here in the 2022 season? All right. Let's go ahead and let's break down the 2022 season for the Oklahoma Sooners. And first, we are going to start off with fall camp and a recap of what's been going on there in the scrimmage. And I do want to preface this off by saying first, don't put too much stock in fall camp and scrimmages, right? It's exactly what it says it is. It's a fall camp and it's a scrimmage. It's not a real game. The other big thing I want to point out is, the defense should always get the better of an offense in these games and in these and in these camps, because the defense knows all of the offensive plays and they know the audibles. So yes, they should have a leg up in that department. They should look like the better side of the ball. Now coming out of it, the offense, you know, they should be good. Like, If they're scoring on your defense and your defense looks pretty good in these scrimmages, like you could say you have a pretty good offense coming out. But I just want to go ahead and set the expectations here. Ball camp and scrimmages are exactly what they say they are. And that's kind of the same thing that we have coming up for the beginning of the season, right? We play UTEP and Kent State. I mean, they're games, but they're also not like they're kind of scrimmages because you're just scrimmaging with another team. It's not the kind of level of competition that you're going to have to go play later in the season to go win a national championship. So remember that we're just going to take all of this with a grain of salt, but there are some key things that I know I'm specifically looking for this year, right? The first one of those things being coming out of fall camp is the defense, right? Where are they going to improve on the defense? Is it going to be tackling? Because we know tackling has been a huge problem for OU for several years. So are they just going to be able to go wrap up a guy and bring him down instead of trying to make a big play and create a turnover at the same time? I love turnovers. I know everybody does as well. But let's take this one step at a time. One baby step at a time. If all season... The only improvement we see on the defense is tackling. We should take that as a huge win. The other thing that I believe that we should be able to see this year as an improvement from this team is just what's going to happen in the secondary. Are these guys going to get beat? Are they – because let me rephrase it this way. We have the athletes back there to be able to keep up with, I would want to say, any of the best you know, wide receiving cores in the nation, right? We have a secondary that should be able to keep up with the teams. The question is, are they going to be able to be developed, and are they going to be able to put it together to be able to show us that, right? And I think BB came out recently, and he spoke about Billy Bowman, and I think this speaks levels to kind of what's going on out there um, in that secondary he specifically said he wants to be excellent, very quiet, humble, one of our best workers, one of the most consistent guys on our team right now, maybe playing better than anybody else on defense if I was to single one person out. That's some pretty high praise coming from BV BB. B.B.'s not just going to go out there, and he's not going to give praise to just anybody. So for Billy Bowman to be getting that kind of uh, that, that praise, like that's pretty good. And so I would expect him to be able to start alongside Key Lawrence back there. Um, And I know we had a lot of other really good transfers and Trey Morrison. uh, And I believe there's another guy that that I'm uh, totally blanking on right now. But the secondary is just a big question mark for me. Are they going to develop and get better? So some other key markers that we can take out of fall camp is TD Roof, he has a torn bicep. He's going to miss the entire season. Now, this one's actually pretty intriguing to me because i kind of curious to see where the staff goes with this, but also where does Ruff go, right? Where does he go with his career? Does he try to hit the medical red shirt and come back next season? Or does he go ahead and use this as an opportunity to be a, uh, a student coach and start his coaching career? And I definitely think that's a possibility. And I would expect to see him take a student coaching role this season and fast track his coaching career and follow his dad's footsteps. Because you've already seen guys like Danny Stutzman ask him for advice all the time. And so I think he's just a natural born leader. And yes, it hurts the depth in that linebacker room. I get it. Losing the value and losing him May, makes it to where you lose somebody who has that value of knowing the defense very well and knows this system. That's kind of concerning, but it's helpful knowing that that same guy is going to be on the sidelines to be able to help coach and develop those younger linebackers. Because we have some great younger linebackers in this room, uh, two of which Kobe McKenzie and Jaron Kanak, right? Those are two guys that everybody's excited to see. I know I'm really excited to see, you know, what those two guys are going to be able to bring to this room. And I think having a guy like TD Roof back there to be able to just help develop them in this system is going to be amazing. Let's see. You never want to see anybody get hurt. But let's just see how much of a blessing in disguise this is going to be for TD, you know, to be able to start a coaching career. uh, But then also for the Sooners to be able to have another pair of eyes on the sideline in another guy to be able to help develop those linebackers. However, we still would love to see roof get back on the field at some point, whether that's next season uh, or, you know, maybe by some miraculous healing. He uh, gets back on the field before the end of the season. So who knows? Some other things are, everybody keeps talking about the running back room, right? They say it looks great. A lot of depth in that room. And, You hear a lot about Eric Gray, and if you've kind of watched some of the interviews that I've had with Tawi Walker and that I've had with Jaden Knowles, you hear the same thing. Eric Gray has made strides. Eric Gray has made a lot of improvement. He's probably going to be RB1 for us, right? That's what it's going to be. You'll probably see Marcus Major and Sawchuck probably share a lot of carries with eric gray um for those of you who don't know i have been under the impression that freshmen probably won't play a whole lot in brent venable's system as brent venables is a head coach but i keep hearing from a lot of people like parker thune and uh, brandon drum and even Ta we talked about it gavin Sawchuk is a dude right He's going to be an incredible freshman. He's going to get a lot of playing time. So yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. And I'm curious to see just how that running back room develops because it's pretty deep. And a lot of people are talking about how this might be the best running back room that DeMarco Murray has ever had here at OU. And I'm just curious because I'm like, if the running back room is this good this year, what's going to what's it going to be like next year? I mean, yes, I expect Eric Major to go to the draft next year, but what's it going to look like next year when you have Caleb Hicks come in and you have you know Marcus Major potentially taking up, you know, taking a step up and then you have Dalen Smothers. Like this running back room in the future of it, it's going to be pretty great because in 2024 there's a chance for OU to get Stacy Gage. So, I know that's kind of a while off, and we're not here to talk about 2024 recruiting, but I hear the running back room is going to look great. Quarterback room, we've all heard it. Dylan Gabriel is going to be the starter. Who's going to be QB2? I've heard lots of good things about Nick Evers and him getting his body right and just being able to make a lot of those passes. General Moody, I've heard, has been up and down. I would love to see Booty be QB2, I mean, come on, like, with the last name Booty, like, there's so many opportunities out there for that. Uh, But I'm also also hearing a lot of great things about Bevel. So, um, coming out for QB2, it sounds like it's going to be more Bevel than anybody. But uh, don't—it wouldn't shock me if General Booty somehow steps up for that QB2 role. I think Evers uh, is probably your QB3 or QB4. Uh, He's probably going to be uh playing for that starting quarterback role next year, uh, depending on if Dylan Gabriel stays or leaves. Okay, so let's go ahead and deep dive into the schedule real quick. I know we did this with Parker Thune, but I kind of want to give my own takes on it, uh, and I want to talk about it a little bit. So the first game we have is UTEP, and for those of you who know, UTEP has played some historical games against Oklahoma. One of those being the first game in the national championship season in 2007, Lincoln Riley's first year as a head coach in 2017, and then now Brent Venables' first game as a head coach uh, this year. So UTEP's had some pretty—they, I'll say this—they've been on the bad end the bad side of Oklahoma there was that one year I believe it was in either 2012 or 2013 we played them and we lost or no we won 24 to 7 so it was maybe a little closer than what people wanted but that's been the closest that games that 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 game's ever been so it's 2 30 game on Fox shocked that we did not get an 11 a.m kickoff crossing my fingers that we don't get very many of those this year uh obviously, oh, you should be able to go in there and stomp a mud hole in them. I am curious, though, how this game is going to go. Is OU going to come in there and just smash them into the ground? Is this going to be one of those games like we know where we win fifty-five nothing? Like I don't know what to expect as far as the score goes outside of knowing we're probably going to win this game by thirty-five plus points in the margin. But I can't tell you, hey, OU is going to win fifty-five nothing. Like I, I, I don't know what to expect there, especially since UTEP was a seven-win team last year. So going into week two, we have kent state at home this is a six o'clock game uh, this one's actually on espn plus so it's not on the pay-per-view game uh, it should be a lot more affordable uh, than the pay-per-view game for a lot of those folks that had that one on their schedule i believe this one's probably going to be a part of that sooner vision cast thing that they had um i'm not sure about that so i'm y'all correct me if i'm wrong on that but y'all i feel for kent state i don't know what they were thinking when they had to schedule here was here's the here's their first four games at Washington at OU at or they have Long Island University at home so I'm assuming they should win that game and then they got to go at Georgia like talk about a brutal schedule like Kent State's yeah they're gonna be struggling there but again this should be an easy win for OU however I am curious to see what OU does in this game, because let's say they come out of UTEP, they've won fifty-five nothing. You know, they've just given the big hurrah for Brent Venables as in his first game. Maybe there could be uh, a little bit of um, I don't I don't want to say rust. I don't think is the right word, but you know. They could get off to a slow start in this game, potentially. And Kent State's not a terrible team. Last year, they went 7-7. and They did lose in the Idaho Potato Bowl to Wyoming, which at this point, they're just making up bowls. So, I mean, again, it should be an easy win for Oklahoma. And I want to see here, what's the spread on this game? Uh, ooh. Over. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they win it by... I don't know, let's just call it another thirty-five point uh margin. I, I think OU should be able to hang up fifty on Kent State as well. So let's just say it's uh fifty to seven on that game or fifty-five to seven. So OU puts up above fifty points in two games. And then we have to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. And I'm really excited for this game and I wish I could have went this year. Um uh, But those of you who know, I am getting married next year, so working on saving a little bit of money, so not going to be able to travel out to Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll get some opportunities later here in this decade to go uh, to Lincoln and for Nebraska to come back. But this is an 11 a.m. kickoff for Fox. I would assume that this big game, or uh, uh, what do you call it? Big day Fox or big game Fox is going to be here in the morning. They're going to do their show and everything uh, for this game. It'll be the kickoff game. Nebraska was the best three and nine team last year. And they definitely made some significant improvements with Casey Thompson at quarterback, uh, getting rid of of, um, Adrian Martinez. But. I don't know, like, because I think they lost to for the whole season, who was going to be their best receiver. Again, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm just kind of going off a limb on there. I don't know. I think OU wins this game, let's just say 31 to 14. 31 to 14, right? I think OU, I think I think that's a good spread. OU wins at Nebraska 31 to 14. So then we got probably where we can start talking about how OU has a really favorable schedule in BV's first year, with probably two to three of the toughest big 12 teams in Baylor, Oklahoma State and Kansas State at home. And I say Kansas State because Kansas State has given OU trouble for years. And so we go into Kansas State at home. They should win this. I feel like home field advantage should be able to give OU that chance to go in there and you know, give that extra boost. I mean, however, we have seen Kansas State beat OU before at home. And they do have one of the best running backs in the country, in Deuce Vaughn. And then they also have Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Skylar Thompson is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think – I am curious to see how OU can defend mobile quarterbacks this year because it seems like that has been a thorn in our side previously in the previous year. So I'm curious to see how that's going to affect us this year. I'm going to say let's give OU – let's go 41-17 to in this game. 41-17 I think is what the final score for this Kansas State OU game is. So then we have to go at TCU, and I hope we beat the the breaks off TCU, especially after that little TikTok video they made. If you haven't watched it, just go to my – Twitter and watch it it's it's a little ridiculous this is why OU's leaving the big 12 y'all like, this is why so at TCU I don't really expect them to be good in Sonny Dyke's first year um, OU's probably gonna hang 50 on TCU and that final score probably be 50 to 14 so then we got Texas and OU's the home team this year for Texas I don't think that really matters I mean you're just wearing red jerseys great this one's interesting because Quint Ewers is supposed to be the starter, and I say supposed to. Because Texas has to play Alabama week 2, which means Quint Ewers is going to have to be the starter with a really weak offensive line against the Will Anderson and that and that Alabama defensive line. And so Is there a chance that, you know, Quint Ewers is not the starter, whether it's due to injury or due to just he hasn't played well at all? It's a possibility. But even if it's Hudson Card, I mean, remember, Hudson Card's still a pretty dang good quarterback. I mean, he was still a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school. And Texas has got a lot of weapons. Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy. Um, Unfortunately, Nair got uh, hurt for the season, so... Um, we're hoping he gets better. Obviously, it's never a good thing when a player gets hurt like that. And we don't want to see that, especially with the rivals. You know, we want them at their uh, full health. And so hopefully he gets better. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, but then you've got other guys like uh, Billingsley. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen with uh, Ajaya Hall coming out of Alabama to Texas as well to see if he's going to be playing in that game. Texas is going to have a lot of weapons. Uh, I just don't think that their defense is going to be good enough to stop OU. And then obviously, there's a lot of questions around the Texas offensive line. And I think OU is just going to be able to go get at it. Now, The question is, can OU go out and get a good start this year or are they going to get down by 21 points again and have to make a comeback? I don't think they're going to get down by 21 points again. You definitely can't give up what you did last year with the first play of the game. Xavier Worthy taking it 75 yards. You just can't give that up. But I don't think they're going to go down 21 points and have to come back. So I would say the final score for this game is I hope it's a little lower than what we've seen in previous years past, but I'm going to go 41 to 31 Oklahoma. All right, so then we go Saturday, October 15th versus Kansas. This should be an easy dub. I don't think we need to talk about it. It's at home, it's Kansas. We should win. Uh, let's just say OU hangs up another 55 on them, uh, 55 to seven. I think that should be a good score. Then we have to go at Iowa State. Now, this game was originally scheduled for a Thursday, and I originally had this one on my watch list for OU to lose as a trap game, especially coming out of Texas and Kansas, where you could potentially be 7-0. Or 7-0? Yeah, 7-0. I thought it was going to be a trap game. It got moved to Saturday. Everything's good. However, you're still playing at Iowa State. I would expect this to probably be a morning game. You hear a lot of good things coming out of Iowa State right now, but they lost so much production. They lost a lot. And so my question is, are they really going to be able to replace that production to be able to go out there and go toe-to-toe with the Sooners? I don't know. I mean, first couple games of the season, got to play Southeast Missouri State. They have to go at Iowa. They're probably going to lose that game 1-1. and Iowa they probably win that game but then they got to play Baylor so two and two at Kansas you know so i mean by that game they could come in you know at 500 maybe one game under 500 at the worst two oh you should win that game again i think oh you should probably hang up another 45 out here so 45 to uh let's say 14 over here against Iowa state I just don't think Iowa State's going to be able to put up enough points. Uh, I I really don't. They lost a lot of offensive production. So then we go into one of OU's toughest games, if not the toughest game on their schedule right now, is Baylor. And this one's interesting because they return a lot on their defense. uh, But however... I'm curious to see how this quarterback situation is going to turn out for Baylor because Dave Aranda told their quarterback, who was it? Uh, Bo, Bo, Bo Hannon or whatever his name was that he wasn't going to be the starter. gave him the opportunity to transfer out as they have this new guy, right? That he named the starter early. And so I'm curious to see what that guy's going to look like. And if he's really that good, however, it's Baylor. I just don't see a Dave Aranda Baylor team putting up a ton of points on us. And I think we're definitely going to be a little bit more balanced in the offense this year. And what does that mean? I'm not saying that this offense team is much more talented than it was last year because that's not the truth. The, the the team last year was really talented. However, I think there is a thing called too much talent because if you have five or six star wide receivers, you've constantly got to try to be feeding the ball to them to make everybody happy, Right? I don't think OU really has that problem this year. You've got some freshmen. I don't think they expect to get a ton of playing time. And then you've got guys like, you know, your Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss that have been here and Drake Stoops and so, and Braden Willis. And that, I think, is an opportunity for OU to take advantage of. We don't have to distribute the ball to all these, you know, high four star and five star wide receivers to keep them happy. Right. And by that time, OU really should be in the flow. We should be in things. Uh, the the team should have a pretty well sense of playing with each other. This game's at home, so I'm going to give the home field advantage to OU here. However, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to put 24-14 to for Oklahoma on this one, but I do think they can pull it out. So then we have to go to at West Virginia. This one's interesting to me because West Virginia got JT Daniels, but it's still West Virginia. I I don't think they're going to be that great this season. Uh, I do think they'll be able to get a bowl game in. So probably seven and six, six and seven is probably what the record will end up being. I think OU is probably going to come in here, hang 45 up, 45 to 21 Oklahoma. And then we got Oklahoma State at home, who's currently ranked number 12 in the country. Again, Oklahoma State lost a lot of production on the defensive side of the ball. You do have Spencer Sanders coming back, which is a lot. I mean, that's saying a lot because Spencer Sanders is not very good. Um, it's at home, so home field advantage to OU. However, I think that this game is a little bit more lopsided than people think in OU's favor. I'm going to go ahead and say 45-24 to 24 Oklahoma. And then to wrap it off, we wrap it up, we have our last game of the season at Texas Tech. And it's gonna be in Lubbock, probably gonna be, I would assume, a night game for the Raiders. So it's probably gonna be a little rowdy down there. I don't think OU should have a problem though. It's the Red Raiders. So I'm gonna go ahead and I know I've been saying it a lot, but 45 to mm, New Head Coach. Let's just say 14, 45-14 for OU. I feel like that should be an easy one. And then I feel like they're going to play Baylor again in the Big 12 Championship, which they should win that game. I don't have a prediction for that one, but uh, I do think they should win that one. So where does that put them? That puts them at 13-0 and 0 for me, baby. Uh, now, however, I am going to put an, uh, an asterisk next to that uh, Texas game just because that one is a toss-up every year. Like, yeah, like I'm going to call OU to win it. All year, every year, but it, it's a toss up. Like, oh, you could go lose that game. Like, it, it's just weird how rivalry games are. And that's the one that's weird for us. It's a hard one to call. um And then, you know, oh, you could go drop one to Baylor. So, you know, I, I really don't think OU is going to lose more than two games on this schedule this year. I I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think their record's going to be worse than last year. However, Uh, I do think that they could go 13-0. The schedule is pretty favorable. And with the Brent Venables defense, it is going to be pretty suffocating for any of those offenses that are going to have to go up against us this year. So let me know what you guys think down in the comments below. Where do you guys think OU's record is going to land at the end of this season? And do you guys think they're going to make a New Year Six Bowl? Do you guys think they're going to make the college football playoffs? Or do you guys just think they're going to go just to a regular bowl? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments below.